Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. Today we're continuing the Who Are They series, this time doing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's get on into it. Alright, so before we get started, I'm going to start posting these at a on consistent days. Every Monday and Friday is when you're going to be expecting these from now on. I'm going to mess around with the timing a bit. I'm going to release this one at 3 p.m. on Monday, 3 p.m. Pacific. And so, yeah, let me know what you guys think. If you like those days, if you like those times, what you think is better morning or afternoon. Um, and in case you are new here, what we do is we go over each team position by position and break down the roster. I let you guys know what I think of the players right now and what I think they can achieve this season and what I will be looking forward to watching with them. At the end of the whole episode, I'm going to talk about um, their pessimistic and optimistic outlooks on the season, their floor, their ceiling, their um, Vegas over-under, whether or not I think it's a smart bet on the over or the under, as well as this team's biggest strength and weakness. At the end of this whole series, we're just finishing up the third division here. Um, I'm going to be doing my season projection, including playoff projection and um, award predictions. All right, and without any further ado, let's get on into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the last team I'm covering in the NFC South. So starting off at quarterback, they have Tom Brady, Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Trask, and Orion Griffin. So Tom Brady is the greatest football player of all time. And he showed no signs of slowing down last year. Old age, of course, has got to take him at some point, one would think at least. But entering his age 45 season, it doesn't look like he's falling off at all. Maybe this will be his last year with all the drama, like this past off season of him retiring and then potentially going to the Dolphins. Well, that was a whole crazy story if you didn't hear about it. Um, but as long as he's playing, he's probably going to be playing like a top five quarterback and be a top one of one leader and influencer over the whole roster. Gabbert's carved out a pretty nice and long career as a backup after being a former first round bust. After sitting behind Brady for two years, this coaching staff was ready to roll him out if Brady stayed retired. Luckily for Bucks fans, Brady came back because I don't think he would have looked that much better than he did the last time we saw him. Trask was the last pick of the second round last year, and hopefully for the Bucks, he's Brady's heir apparent. He doesn't wow with arm strength, accuracy, or mobility, or at least didn't in college, but hopefully behind Brady, he can work on his accuracy and processing to be a pretty competent starting quarterback. And then Griffin, he's been a career backup since going undrafted back in 2013. For running backs, they have Leonard Fournette, Rashad White, Keyshawn Vaughn, Giovanni Bernard, and Kenjin Barner. So Fournette hasn't had a thousand yard season since leaving the Jags, but he's been a good complimentary back in the rotation here, providing a solid power option and becoming a much more reliable option in the passing attack. We'll see if he keeps growing in this offense, especially with Ronald Jones departing. White is a third down back drafted in the third round out of Arizona State. Brady loves to have backs who can catch, so there's a good chance we'll see White early and often running routes out of the backfield. I just don't expect him to offer much as a runner, at least early on. Vaughn was drafted in the third round of the 2020 draft, but hasn't seen too much action so far. Now in year three, he's likely going to be the team's secondary runner. He's shown some flashes with 40% of his runs last year, gaining more than 15 yards. He just needs to see the field more often and improve his viability in the passing game. So having him on doesn't have like instantly signal the run. 
Bernard was part of the Bengals running back by committee room for years as the change of pace slash receiving back. Last year he provided some of that for Tampa, but he is getting up there in age. With White now on the squad, he'll likely just be a veteran presence and maybe someone to come in for pass pros if the younger guys struggle in that aspect. Barner has stuck on rosters since 2016, primarily as a special teamer, so he'll compete here to be a returner or something else if needed to. At wide receivers, they have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Scotty Miller, Brashad Perryman, Cyril Grayson Jr., Tyler Johnson, Jalen Darden, Vincent Smith, Cameron Brown, Kalen Geiger, Jareth Stearns, and Devin Tompkins. Oh, Mike Evans has not had a season under 1,000 yards through his first eight years of his career. He has proven to be a true number one no matter who is at quarterback, and now that he's playing with Brady, he's put up 2,400 yards and 31 touchdowns in the last two seasons, including playoffs. Evans is a bigger body guy who is faster than you'd think and a great contested catch guy. This complements with Godwin fantastically. Godwin is more of a separator type, consistently getting open while also being able to use that 4-4 speed as a deep threat. So far in his career, he's played a lot of slot, but I could definitely see him being more of a true Z next season with the addition of Gage. Gage has been a solid slot receiver for Atlanta for these past four years. Now coming to a team that passes a lot and lost a good amount of targets between Antonio Brown and Gronk, at least for now, Gage could have a career year despite being the third or even fourth most targeted guy on this team. Miller has been this team's deep threat despite being 5'9". He'll come in for a couple of snaps a game and just run deep. If the defense doesn't provide help, Brady will make them pay, and Miller has proven to be pretty reliable in that. Perriman busted as a first-round pick, but his blazing speed allows him to be an effective deep threat. Although they were both on the roster this year, I wouldn't be surprised if only one of Miller and Perryman makes the roster, as there was a lot of talent in this room, and both of these two satisfy the same role, so they might want to keep other depth pieces instead. Grayson is another deep threat receiver here, with 21 yards per catch last season, so he'll definitely compete for one of the spots here. Johnson was praised for his route running coming out, but hasn't been able to capitalize on his talent so far. Even when this room was hit with the injuries, he wasn't impressing. Now in year 3, he's likely to remain buried on this depth chart, even if he were to make the roster. Darden was a fan-favorite sleeper last year, but hardly saw the field. With all the talent in front of him, barring injuries or a huge step forward, Darden will likely just be another death beast here. I do think it's too early to move on from the second year fourth rounder though. Smith has been a backup so far throughout his career with the Houston and the Jets, and Brown, Geiger, Stearns, and Tompkins are all UDFAs from this class. So for tight ends, they have Cameron Brait, Cade Otten, Co Keeft. Cody McElroy, and Ben Bees. Braid has been a solid number two tight end for Tampa for years, with enough upside to be their number one. With Gronk gone and Howard too, who they drafted in hopes that he would be Braid's replacement, um, Braid now gets his chance to be this team's number one. Let's see if he can step it up. I would not be surprised though if Gronk came back, although I also wouldn't be surprised if Gronk stayed uh, um, retired. Otten was one of the best blocking tight ends in the draft, and taken in the fourth, we'll see if Tampa plans to use him more as a receiving threat too, but likely his role will be pretty limited in year one. Keeft was taken later in the draft in round six. He's um, likely to make the roster as some depth, but um, won't make too much of an impact year one. 
McElroy has been a death tight end since going undrafted in 2018 and buys an undrafted free agent this year. So along their offensive line, their starters um, project to be Donovan Smith, Luke Godecki, Ryan Jensen, Shaq Mason, and Tristan Wirfs, with Fred Johnson, Brandon Walton, Dylan Cook, Josh Wells, and Jonathan Hubbard as tackles, Aaron Stinney, Sedarius Hutcherson, Curtis Blackwell, Shaq Leverett, and John Malkin at guard, and Robert Hainsey at center. Smith started year one after being drafted in the second round of 2015. It took a few years for him to find his footing, but now he's a very solid starting tackle, especially as a pass blocker. Johnson went undrafted back in 2019 and has made some spot appearances at tackle, guard, and as a sixth lineman for the Bengals. Walton hasn't played yet since going undrafted in 2020, and Cook is an undrafted free agent from this year. Gadecki was a great run-blocking tackle for Central Michigan last year. Now transitioning to guard, we'll see if he's able to start year one as a second-round pick. Yopis' skills transfer nicely, but there's some concern about a jump and play as well. Stein has been a backup guard since going undrafted in 2018, and Hutcherson went undrafted last year and didn't play. And Blackwell also went undrafted this year. Jensen has been a great center for Tampa since joining the squad back in 2018, hovering right around our Pro Bowl level, which is nothing to complain about. Hainsey was drafted in the third round last year and could be a long-term replacement for Jansen, who just turned 31. Mason has legitimately been a top-tier guard his whole career in New England. The fact that he was only traded for a fifth-round pick is mind-boggling. He'll only be turning 29 at the end of August, so unless he randomly regresses, he should be an upgrade versus the already good Ali Marpet, who just retired in an absolute steal for the Bucks. Leverett went undrafted in 2020 and hasn't shown enough to be worth starting so far, and Mulkin also went undrafted in 2020 but hasn't played at all yet. Wirf stepped into the league and was instantly one of the best right tackles, arguably the best as he earned first-team All-Pro honors. He should be talked about as a top-tier tackle for the next 10-plus years. Wells is the team swing tackle, six linemen, and jumbo set. He isn't anything crazy, but he's been reliable when called upon. And Hubbard, he went undrafted back in 2020, but hasn't played yet. Along the interior defensive line, they have Vita Vea, Akeem Hicks, Logan Hall, William Golston, Rakeem Nunez-Roches, Patrick O'Connor, Deadrian Sennett, Willington Prevalon, Benny Patoe, and Mike Green. Vea is the ideal modern-day nose tackle. At almost 350 pounds, he's able to take on multiple blockers in the run game while still being a threat as a pass rusher, getting 42 pressures and 5 sacks last season. Despite turning 33 later this year, Hicks can certainly still be that guy. He missed about half of last season with injuries, but the season before that finished with 50 pressures. They'll have a pretty healthy rotation here, allowing him to stay fresh and healthy, and hopefully they let him get, get to work. Hall is another one of these undersized interior defensive linemen at 6'6", 280, but he is extremely fast for his size and still comes with a threat of power. We'll see if he's able to capitalize on this athleticism to be a great pass rusher, or if he'll be another Solomon Thomas-like bust. Golston has been this team's 3-5 tech since 2013, but by bringing in Hall, it's likely that they're now trying to move on from him. We'll see how long he's able to hold the rookie at bay. 
Nunez Rochas has been Vea's backup, spotting him for breathers and has been a good run stuffer, but doesn't offer much versus the pass. O'Connor hasn't done too much as a pass rush focused interior lineman in his first four seasons. Senate was drafted in the third round back in 2018, but never did much for the Falcons. He was cut after missing all of last year with injuries and now hopes to make Tampa's roster. Prevalon went undrafted in 2020, but hasn't played yet. Patoa A has only seen a handful of snaps since going undrafted in 2020, and Green is a UDFA from this class. Along the edge, they have Shaquille Barrett, Joe Tryon Shoinka, Anthony Nelson, Cam Jill, Elijah Ponder, Andre Anthony, Jordan Young, and Jojo Azogawu. So Barrett was a solid rotational rusher in Denver before exploding in 2019 with Tampa. His last three seasons all saw him get over 75 pressures and establish himself as a true number one pass rusher. Tryon Shoyinka was drafted at the end of the first last year and had a pretty decent rookie year, primarily as a pass rusher with 33 pressures and 4 sacks. With the departure of JPP, he's likely to be called upon more, so let's see if he can put it all together in year 2 to be a solid number 2 edge rusher. Nelson is a better run defender than pass rusher and will likely see a lot of early down work to um, allow Tryon Shoyinka to focus more as a pass rusher. Jill went undrafted in 2020 and hasn't seen the field too much yet. Ponder went undrafted last year and hasn't played yet. Anthony was drafted in the 7th this year out of LSU, and Young and Ozogawu were both undrafted in this class. So for linebackers, they have Levante David, Devin White, KJ Britt, Grant Stewart, JJ Russell, and Olakuno Fadukasi. David has been one of the best linebackers throughout his career, earning more recognition recently with the rest of the team around him becoming better. He hasn't shown signs of slowing down yet, despite being 32 now, so him and White should still be a, one of the best duos in the league. White is a very hit-or-miss linebacker. He creates a lot of big plays with sacks and turnovers, but can also get picked apart in coverage and isn't the most secure tackler. However, playing next to the more stable David definitely helps him, as his big plays can swing the tide of the game. Britt was drafted in the 5th last year, but has hardly played yet. Stewart was drafted last year in the 7th, and he too only played a handful of snaps. And then Russell and Fadukasi were both UDFAs this year. At cornerbacks, they have Carlton Davis III, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, Zion McCollum, Dee Delaney, Ross Cockrell, Richard Robinson, Kyler McMichael, and Don Gardner. So Davis, Dean, and Murphy Bunting show why it pays off to throw a bunch of darts at cornerbacks in the draft. They were all drafted between 2018 and 2019 in rounds 2 and 3, and now they're one of the top trios in the league. None of them are like elite players, but they all work together to get the job done. Davis, who was drafted first, just got paid um, 3 years, $45 million, so he'll have to prove Tampa that they chose right, as it's unlikely they'll be able to afford to keep all three. Dean has been the most consistent of these three, though, never giving up more than 350 yards in a season, and Murphy Bunting kicks inside to play slot a lot to allow all three of these talents on the field at once, but it's also shown to be good as an outside corner, too. Uh, Dean and Murphy Bunting are both in contract years, so we'll see who plays well and if either of them can end up staying in Florida after this season. Zion McCollum is a great athlete for a corner, having the highest ever um, RAS relative athletic score. However, he is a 5th round rookie coming from Sam Houston State, he has a lot to prove. 
He likely won't see much time playing in year one, but maybe next year when Dean and or Murphy Bunting leaves, he'll be able to pick up some slack. Delaney made a couple of spot starts last year when Tampa was hit with injuries and didn't play terribly, but it was against Chicago and Washington, so he'll likely stay as just a death beast this year unless there are more injuries again. Cockrell is a good death beast to have in the slot as he played good there last year when filling in for Murphy Bunting. Robinson hasn't impressed much since being a fourth round pick back in 2016, bouncing around the lake and now looking to make Tampa's roster for a second straight year. McMichael and Gardner are both UDFAs from this class. At safeties, they have Antoine Winfield Jr., Mike Edwards, Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal, Chris Cooper, Troy Warner, and Nolan Turner. So Antoine Winfield Jr. is already one of the top five free safeties in the league, and now entering year three, he's definitely got a shot to take the crown. If the rest of this defense can stay healthy, I wouldn't be shocked if he was the first team all pro this year. Edwards has been a pretty good third safety in his first three seasons with Tampa. Now in year four with no whitehead in front of him, he'll likely be called upon to be the number two, so we'll see if he can still produce with more responsibilities. Ryan is a versatile defensive back who's been good, not great, throughout his career. He started at outside corner for New England for four years, spent three years with Tennessee as a slot, and the past two years with the Giants at safety. And will likely be a third safety here with Tampa, but he could play anywhere else in case they do have injuries. Neal was drafted as a safety and played mostly in the box. Last year, Dallas tried moving him out to full-time linebacker, and that didn't go too well. Now with Tampa, he's moving back to safety, Will he'll likely be a death piece or like a dimebacker. Cooper went undrafted in 2018, but he hasn't played a snap yet, and Warner went undrafted last year without playing, while Turner is a UDFA this season. So for their special teams unit, they have Ryan Suckup and Jose Baragalis competing for kicker, Jake Camarda, Bradley Pinion, and Sterling Hofreichter competing for punter, and Zach Treiner at long snapper. Suckup has been a solid overall kicker with his time in Tampa and Tennessee before, with 83% career field goal percentage throughout his career, but they brought in Baragalis last year as an undrafted pickup to compete. Camardo was drafted in the fourth this year, so he'll likely win the job over Pinion, who has been decent over the past three years with Tampa, and then Hofreichter, who was drafted in the seventh round two years ago by Atlanta. And then Schreiner, he's been Tampa's long stopper since 2019. All right, so now it's time for my season projection. This is where I'm going to talk about their uh, floor, their ceiling, what can go wrong, what can go right, and then their over-under, as well as their biggest strength and weakness. So... Pessimistically, um, I see the floor of this team as nine and eight unless they really get hit with injuries and age regression, which like is just tough to see coming. Um, I don't see this season going too poorly, barring injuries or yeah, some major regression to some key players. Um, Brady, he's forty five, so there's a chance his play declines. None of these running backs are there. Nothing special. These receivers could struggle with the injuries again, and Brady isn't. He might not be able to step up at tight end one. Godecki struggles as a rookie, and Mason looks different outside of New England. Um, Hicks, he could clearly start looking old, and Hall just might look like a every recent undersized three-tech in year one, just not not good. Um, at edge, Tron Cherinka, he definitely needs to take a step up, and if he doesn't, it just looks all right with the depth looking bad while being rotated in. That could be a huge problem. 
Um, David, he might start to look old out there, and the bad plays by White could outweigh the good for sure. This corner room, it could get hit with injuries again. It got pretty hard last year, and the death could play poor, and Edwards might not be able to fill Whitehead's shoes at safety. However, optimistically, I could see this team having a 13-4 season as their ceiling. Um, Brady, he somehow defies father time once again. Fournette, he's looked good as the lead back. And White is a great receiving threat. This wide receiver trio could be truly elite and with the depth competing and contributing as well. And then Bray looking good at tight end one. Godecki plays well for a rookie and then Mason, he could slot right in at guard and the rest of the O-line should be fine. Hicks continues to look good and stays healthy in the rotation, and Hall shows some flashes as a rookie. Tryon Shoinka, he takes that year two leap, and him and Barrett play a lot to keep this depth on the bench because this depth just don't look that good. Um, David and White continue as a great combo, and the top three corners on this roster all stay healthy and keep playing well. Edwards is able to adequately fill Whitehead's shoes, and Winfield plays like a first-team All-Pro because the defense looks good. So their over-under right now is set at 11.5 wins, which seems high, but unless this team gets hit by injuries a bit, it's pretty hard to see them losing six games. I'm skeptical because they did struggle with health last year, but they did overcome all that to still win 13 games, so I think the over should be met here. Their biggest strength is undoubtedly Tom Brady. Even if he regresses to like the 10th best quarterback, his leadership and desire to win is so great that it elevates everyone around him, even making the defense better somehow. They don't really have a weakness here unless you're projecting injuries or regression, or you just single out the rookie Godeki along the offensive line. Um, I'm putting edge here, although Barrett is a great number one. Tron Chonyinger needs to prove that he can be a competent number two because if not, this depth is almost non-existent and they won't be able to get much done. Alright guys, thanks for sticking around. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, leave a like, comment, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. I'm still giving away a hoodie to the next, um, next time I break my records for likes. So if you want to get a free hoodie, leave a comment down below. Let me know what you think of uh, this new recording schedule, if you like this later time, or if you'd rather it be posted early. And yeah, I'll see you guys all next time. Thank you.